Welcome to the Watermark Family Ministry Podcast, where we aim to encourage and equip parents for the task that you've been employed and empowered by God to do. My name is Wes Butler. I'm the Director of Family Ministry here at our Dallas campus, and it is good to be with you. Today, we are giving you uh, our session of Dad You that we should have been able to gather for uh, this coming week, but uh, because of the current crisis that we are in the midst of, obviously, we're not able to do that. And so, Dads, this is especially for you, though we hope that a lot of moms are listening in as well. We are, uh, I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today. Uh, my friend David Leventhal, who serves as an elder here, and my fr- uh, friend Brett Billman, uh, who serve on our staff, are joining us for a conversation about how to lead your family through uncertainty. And obviously, this is not the topic that we thought we were going to address, but it is a relevant one for all of us uh, in this particular moment in time. And so I ask those guys to, to come in and join me for a conversation to help us as we think through how to lead our families during this time. Uh, there's a blog post that goes right along with this. And so if you go to the Watermark website and, and uh, search for this particular session, you'll see all of the links there. Uh, you can also catch those links in your show notes uh, if you're listening this on the podcast would encourage you to read David's blog post. And then uh, there's also some discussion questions that as you maybe are meeting with the guys in your community group, or perhaps you do want to circle up with your dad, you group, uh, your table, this is an opportunity for you just to engage with and, and interact with this material to just be thoughtful about how you are leading through this time. So I hope that this will encourage you. It'll put some tools in your hands to help you as you lead your family during this time. And at the end, we'll be back uh, just to give you a little bit more instruction on how to do that. So uh, right now, this is my conversation with David Leventhal and Brett Billman. All right. Well, uh, while we would love to be able to gather for Dad U like we normally do, we are uh, hanging out in an empty room now with uh, two friends that I'm excited for you guys to get to hear from. And uh, and so uh, many of you know David Leventhal, one of our elders here at Watermark, and um, he was already scheduled to speak at Dad U this month on a very different topic. Uh, but obviously, with the um, particular moment in time that we're in, we felt like this would be a better use of time to dive into this topic. And so, David. Why don't you just introduce yourself real quick, tell about your family, and uh, and then we'll um, introduce our other guest. Hey guys, it's great to be with you today. Uh, so David Leventhal, I am uh, married to my sweet bride, Missy. We've been married uh, coming up on 22 years this year. We've got seven kiddos, ages three and a half up to 17, and um, I have the, the awesome privilege of getting to serve on the elder team here at Watermark with Todd and Bo and uh, Brian Buchek. So that's yeah. me. Yeah. And then uh, my buddy, Brett Billman, uh, who yeah. serves on staff here with us at Watermark. But Brett, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your family? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next month is my 10 year anniversary. We had this awesome trip planned to Italy, <laughs> which has since uh, been thrown out the window completely. Uh, but so we'll be celebrating 10 years with my wife tomorrow. We're high school sweethearts. So we've been together for about 17 years, which is really fun getting to know her so well. And then we've got three kiddos, seven, they're all turning seven, five, and two within the next two weeks. So okay. we'll be celebrating those fun birthdays in style at home with our stuffed animals, <laughs> there you go. which is exactly the way we planned it. That's right? exactly how everybody planned it, exactly. which leads to our topic today, which is, uh, man, what does it look like? God has given us a responsibility as the men leaders of our home to lead. Uh, that is unique to us as men. It is a role that God has called us to, not a rank, as we say a lot around here. And yet in the midst of this uncertainty, um, how 
can we lead in that? And so, David, you have done uh, kind of the heavy lifting on this particular topic for us and have just uh, given us a great gift of just kind of thinking through some principles for how do we lead in these times of uncertainty when we don't know what's going on, when people are losing their jobs, when the economy is crashing, obviously with health crisis and and all that. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted Brett in here is Brett and Chrissy have walked through a season, which I'm sure you'll hear more about as we go on. Uh, they've walked through a season of health crisis for really chronic health crisis for years. Uh, Many years. And, yes. And, and in some pretty dramatic yeah. fashion uh, at different times along those years. But um, but anyway, but the, the goal of today is just for us to encourage men. Hey, dads, how do you lead right now? Lead your wives, lead your kids through times of uncertainty. So, David. Yeah. So, you know, we're I guess we're calling this sort of this podcast leading your family through uncertainty. And, you know, as I sat down to kind of put some thoughts together um, when I was done, I, I thought I could have started this over and come up with an entirely different set of points. So I, I say that to introduce this with, I've, these are some things that God's brought to my mind. It is by no means exhaustive. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't even say it's super, um, uh, you know, like earth shattering. Um, but I think so much of life is just being reminded of, of what's true scripturally. And that's gonna, what I kind of hope we get to do today is just to remind our friends, dads, uh, that, that uh, God's word is, has spoken. And though things right now seem especially tumultuous, um, there are some truths we can cling on to <laughs> and, uh, and kind of some handholds. And so I think the first thing that um, the Lord brought to my mind was just the reality that often, so I would say in the last couple of weeks with this whole uh, shelter in place and coronavirus, it is, um, I've heard a lot about uncertainty and uh, I don't know what the future is going to look like and things sure seem and feel out of control. And it, the Lord reminded me that uh, I think the reality of our lives is that we don't know what tomorrow holds. And and our our day-to-day -day temporal circumstances are fraught with uncertainty every day. And because so much of life is not dependent upon what we do. It's depending upon, dependent upon what others do, um, what our politicians do. It's dependent upon how our, you know, and so I'm responsible for how I respond to all of that. But there are some things, you know, if my boss wants to fire me, I can't necessarily control that. And um, if my kid gets sick, I can't necessarily control that. And, and that's just life. And uh, so I think the first thing is to remember is that none of us are ever promised in our temporal circumstances, certainty. And so I'm, you know, in my, in my personal time in the word, I'm sort of navigating through the book of James right now. And was reading in James, uh, well, I've been reading in James every day for the last couple of weeks, but planted on James 4 the other day, and it just reminded me uh, of this truth. And so I'm going to read, it's just James 4, 13 to 17. James, who is coming at the Jewish believers who are dispersed um, when he's writing, and he comes at it really like an Old Testament prophet. He is very direct in his writing. He's very blunt. It's, it has that very Old testamenty prophet feel to it. And he says in James 4, 13, he says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring your life. Uh, what is your life? For you were like a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Uh, as it is, you're boast, uh, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. 
So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. And it just was reminded me that um, it's okay for us to, you know, have plans and to be thoughtful and to lay out a framework for what we want this next day or week or month or year to look like. But ultimately, um, our day-to-day circumstances uh, are largely out of our control. And so it's fraught with uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, as you say that, uh, you know, Brett, you already alluded to, hey, we had this great trip planned to Italy. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that was coming up. We got kids' birthdays. But you guys went through a time where there is this... Uh, illusion that we all have of certainty. Yeah. You know, yeah. when we begin to look at our calendars on kind of the the comfortable days of our lives, we go, "Hey, I know what's coming." You guys had yeah. a, a pregnancy yeah. that you would go, "Hey, I know what's going to happen." Absolutely, about nine months in, and then, and, and then the, that is now exactly it, what happened or how yeah. it worked out. Yeah, I'm the as uh, David's reading that, I'm just like, man, I, I've had that memorized, James four thirteen through seventeen for a while, just because I struggle with control. I'm the guy that has the six month plan, the two year plan, the five year plan, the 10 year plan, and I know exactly how it's gonna work out. And lo and behold, it's never worked out that way, uh, specifically with health. So my wife and I both being chronically ill, I've got type one diabetes, she's got Crohn's disease, which just means that we have illnesses that will never go away. There is uh, no cure for those and we have to live in that reality. In fact, last night I just had a major issue pop up and it was a really, really rough night for me um, related to my diabetes. It's a great reminder for me that we're not in control of any situation. But what you're leading to, um, pregnant with our second kiddo and my wife getting really sick, which was normal, congruent with what happened with our first pregnancy. Things progressed, got crazy, got wild. Lots of different doctors ended up finally uh, them taking a picture of her brain and realizing that there was a tennis ball sized tumor in the back of her brain. uh, That needed a surgery immediately while being 34 weeks pregnant Mm. with our second kiddo. And that... I mean, you, you talk about things getting out of control and crazy mm-hmm. fast. Yeah, uh, that was a that was a crisis of a season. Yeah, more than anything else I've ever experienced. And so, Brett, how did you this this first principle is just hey, we have to reset our perspective. Yeah. So, what did it look like for you as a guy who is a planner? Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you have to kind of reset that perspective? And and how did the Lord kind of uh, probably do some surgery on your heart, even yeah. as your wife is having a physical surgery? The Lord's doing some surgery on your heart to yeah. reset that perspective. What did that look like for you? The biggest thing that came out of that. And I, I've been reminded of this recently. There's such a benefit there. Obviously looking back this, this month is a five year anniversary of that tumor actually. Um, but looking back the, this tunnel vision that comes in, in a, in a minute of crisis like that, everything else fades away. The only thing that's left is the important stuff. Um, and you really see kind of what you've built into and what you have fed in your life. Because in that moment, the really, really important stuff, the stuff you think about all the time is what comes up. Thankfully, we had, um, I had put myself in a position to where, man, I, I relied heavily on God because that was my only choice. And I was sitting there in the hospital with my wife. That was it. Yeah. Those are my two things. I, I didn't think about work. Um, we had the privilege of not even having to think about our two-year-old at the time. She was with family. And so I was sitting there, hospital with my wife and my Bible. And that was it. Nothing else in the world mattered at that yeah. time. Yeah. So, David, I, I know you alluded to, hey, I'm just I'm, I'm in James right now. Yeah. How does that time with the Lord, how does that help to reset our perspectives? And how would you encourage these dads who perhaps are working from home for the first time yeah. and uh, and trying to figure out, man, where do I get my time? How do we practically just ensure that 
uh, what Todd said, you know, a couple of Sundays ago, Bible first, Bible most, yeah. uh, how do we, how do we help ourselves to, to dive into a perspective that is heavenly and not just based on our circumstances? Yeah. So I think, um, so I'm just for context, I'm also working from home right now. And, um, so with him, with seven kids, seven kids. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Great. so and they're yeah, all home too. They're all home as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so we've, I've got, you know, my little system and my space in the house where I can dial into work. And, and, you know, I think that, um, for me, uh, I have to continually, and I mean, you know, sometimes continually is not day by day, but it's like hour by hour, minute by minute, uh, remind myself of what I know to be true, which, so I think the other side of this coin, <clears throat> excuse me, the other side of this coin is that while our temporal circumstances are really going to be filled with uncertainty until the Lord takes us home or comes to get us, you know, I was at Proverbs 16, nine man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. So we can plan and just know that things are going to get sidetracked. What the other side of that coin is that there are some things that we can be absolutely certain of and that uh, no matter what our temporal circumstances are, we can lean heavy on a couple of things that are sort of what I've been locking into. One is that God is sovereign, that every um, I think it was C.S. Lewis who wrote that every square inch of this earth screams that it belongs to God. Um, butchering that I'm sure a little bit, but, <laughs> and so I, you know, I know that I can remind myself, I need to, that a God is in control. He sees the beginning and the end in one glance. He has not been caught off guard. I, I remind myself of another immutable truth that he loves me. Um, Romans tells us that, uh, God has demonstrated, he's already demonstrated his love because in that, while we were yet sinners, he sent Christ to die for us. And so in the midst of the temporal mishmash of this current season or other seasons for that matter, I go back to God is in control. God loves me. He's already demonstrated his love for me. Um, I go back to the fact that, you know, uh, if I go to the worst case scenario or a worst case scenario, and I feel like, well, what happens if God takes me home? That's actually not that bad of a deal, mm -hmm. right? Cause to, to uh, be with Christ is far better, Paul would say in the Philippians. And so uh, I have to remind myself of those truths moment by moment. And, you know, look, I'm not immune to waves of anxiety. And, you know, uh, so, you know, just in all transparency for me, it's not been about this whole COVID virus. I don't really stress about that. I, I have found that I have been anxious about my work mm -hmm. and about the teams that I lead and, you know, the uncertainty, the temporal uncertainty with our current industry and the employees that, that uh, I get a chance to lead and what's going to happen to them. And that, you know, there are moments within my day um, where I just have to really stop and remind myself and not let those thoughts get too far in front of me. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think uh, one of the uh, things I've read recently was uh, um, J.I. Packer, the thing that he would preach to himself every day. He said there were six things that he would preach to himself every day. One, I'm a child of God. Two, God is my father. Three, heaven is my home. Four, every day that I live is one day closer to that home. Five, my savior is my brother. And then six is every Christian is my brother too. And uh, just that, those simple pillars of truth uh, really help us to have that perspective of going, man, the worst case scenario, you know, of me ending up in an ICU on a ventilator. You know, uh, is 
to live as Christ and to die as gain. And, uh, and so Matthew 10, where Jesus is going, Hey, don't fear those who can, uh, yeah, kill the body, kill the, body. Yeah. Kill the one, yeah. fear the one who can kill your body and throw your soul into hell. Yeah. And if we have the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of all wisdom, then that's the perspective that I think the Lord is asking us to have, which then I think leads to kind of your, your outworking of this, David is, uh, just give us point number two. How, how can we then, uh, w- what do we do with this? If sure. we're yeah, so if I start with the, if I start by reminding myself that my temporal circumstances are generally uncertain, then that's going to be the water I'm going to swim in until the Lord takes me home. So what do I do? What does it look like to swim in those waters? Mm. And, you know, here we're talking about leading our families through uncertainty. So the, as we think about how do I roll this down to my wife and my kids, uh, the, the first rule of leadership is to lead self. That is the number one thing that, that I can do best to love and serve my kids, right? I can't, I can't um, give what I don't have. Um, and for me as a believer in Jesus Christ, the, the primary way that I lead myself is by going to him and his word and being with his people, albeit in a more virtual context in this current season, um, confessing sins in prayer meditating on scripture. I can't give what I don't have. You know, mm-hmm. I, I go back to just the illustration, um, that I, I may have, frankly, I may have used it a previous dad, you, which case this is going to be poor form, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the dead sea, um, you know, in Israel, so it's fed by the Jordan river and all that water from the Jordan river dumps into the dead sea and it has no place to go. It just stays in the dead sea. And I've had the chance to swim in that or to float in that body of water. And it's just full of deadness. There's nothing that lives in that in that body of water because the water's not moving through it and life for, for there to be life, the water's got to go in, it's got to do its deal and it's got to move out to create the, the life cycle. And so if I'm going to lead my family, I first have to lead myself by going to the chief shepherd and by making sure I'm in his word, I'm spending time in prayer, asking for wisdom. Again, I go back to James cause it's where I'm sitting. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and let that guy ask in a way that is, you know, as free from doubt as possible, uh, because God, you know, honors the request of, 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 of for wisdom. And so when I'm not sure I go to him and, and pray and I'm pursuing, I was with the guys that I'm in community with this morning virtually, and uh, just catching up with those guys, praying with those men, um, and reminding each other of, of what is true. So number one rule, I guess coming out of that would be to make sure I'm leading myself. Yeah, yeah and that would, ties back to the last point too, of just that pillar, where are you being fed? Uh, we can have to go, I just confess to my guys, I'm, man, I'm anxious. Like I'm, I'm starting to a little bit fearful, lots of different things. It's not just virus, but it's work, it's economy, it's leading a team of folks. How do I care for them well? And what we kind of landed on our verse for the week in community was just Isaiah 26, three through four. Mm. Um, and it reminds you to just keep your, keep your rock, keep God as your rock. Cause he is your rock. Yeah. So nothing has changed there. And if he is your pillar, if he is what you're standing on, then you can be free from anxiety. Circumstances will always change. Um, but as long as he is your rock. And so I literally have that written out on my monitor. And last week, every day, I think I looked, I had to look at that thing every probably 10 minutes because yeah. I just felt myself getting pulled away and I'd have to reset my brain, even just my eyes on this post-it note that was written up there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we think about, you know, for dad, you, we, we, and really all of our parenting things that we talk about at Watermark, we have that model train, pray, trust. And this is the model. Yeah. Like I can't, 
uh, go and start training my kids. Hey, you shouldn't be anxious. You shouldn't be fearful. Yeah. You should, uh, you know, trust the Lord in this. If in the midst of it all, I am, uh, you know, the epitome of anxiety and fear and doubt and worry. And that's coming out potentially in all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, unhealthy ways, yeah. whether through anger or through being withdrawn or uh, whatever it might be. And so for us, we have to set that tone for our family and the way that we lead ourselves, which then I think leads to that next point, David, I'd love for you to just jump in there. Yeah. I think, uh, let me go just real quick on yeah, sure. stuff. I think it's awesome. I, I, just, I just want to remind our folks here that like, it's okay to acknowledge that you're struggling. Yeah. I, I think that God, yeah. you know, Psalm 103 just reminds me frequently that God understands our frame and like a father to his kids, he has compassion. And so I don't think, I know we're not saying, Hey, you can't struggle with anxiety no. or you can't mm -hmm. be worried. Uh, I think we're saying that's going to be, uh, we're frail. That's going to be probably part of your Genesis post Genesis three experience. And so as you, as we come to know Jesus more, as we spend more time with him, as the relationship deepens and grows, hopefully there's less and less of those moments and that the, 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 maybe the depth of our anxiety is, it becomes more shallow and shorter. Yeah. And, um, but when we do find it popping up, we just need to own it and confess it, be transparent with our, with our, with ourselves, with the Lord and with our, our kids and our wife and our community. And so I think that's, you know, yeah. that's a piece of this leading self is, is not just getting into the word, but also just raising your hand and dem and modeling for your kids and for your wife, what it looks like to be authentic and to be transparent, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's a part of leading. And yeah. the goal is not to be authentic or transparent. The goal is to be Christ-like, but you're, yeah. You can't be Christ-like if you're not authentic and transparent. So that's right. a piece of it. So <laughs> that's I think, good. I, I think the world just tells us dads that we've got to have it all together. We've got to lead our family with our strength. And so we're just yep. doing this. It's we're the point. rock of the family. And man, I cannot be the rock <laughs> of my family if I'm not, if my feet aren't firmly planted yeah. on the rock. Which leads to, you know, I say, hey, confess those things to your yes. kids. It's okay to acknowledge, hey, man, yeah. this has been a hard day for dad. I got an email at work or I got a, uh, you know, read, read a headline that just kind of, brought some fear and maybe you've seen some of that and yeah. dad, mm -hmm. will you forgive me? And I want you to know this is where dad's trying to go back to and resetting my perspective. Yeah, and one of the things I do just sort of like practically, um, you know, I want my kids to see me in the word. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, is if, if they're awake, it's like probably a lot of guys, it's, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. and so I'm usually yeah. up really early when I'm, when I'm in the office and I'm not sheltering in place, I'm at the office early before I leave my house before anybody gets up. Um, and so what I've started to do, or what I, I've actually, I shouldn't say it. What I've been doing for a while is I've been forwarding, I forward my notes to my kids, my older kids that have phones and my oh, wife. Kid. And so, you know, I'll shoot them a text. Um, you know, so for me, that's three kids and a wife that are sort of old enough to absorb it. And I'll send them my notes or my journal entry so that they can see whether they're, they can't maybe visually walk in and see me with my Bible open, but they get the fruit of knowing that, Hey, dad's been in the word today yep. this morning. And he's already, you know, come before the father and is seeking guidance and wisdom. And so if you're looking for a way, I think it's important that our kids see us in the word. And unlike when I was a kid, you know, I, I saw my dad physically holding a Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I can't both my dad and my mom. I've, I, it's a, it's a memory that's in, planted in my brain of them in their Bibles. Um, my mom with her nasty light brown leather Bible cover <laughs> and my dad in his Ryrie study Bible, the, the uh, old school green hardback with a red felt pen in his uh, hand. And so for me, I'm on a laptop or on my iPad and so it's mm -hmm. virtual. And so my kids could be thinking, hey, dad's checking Wall Street Journal out. Yeah. And not necessarily see that I'm, I'm, I'm actually reading God's word. And so mm -hmm. we need to find creative ways if you're like me and you're not using a, uh, the old, a paper Bible, we need to find ways to 
make sure our kids and our wives know, hey, I'm in God's word. And whether you see it or not, like whether you walk in and see me, just know that I'm in it every day. Yeah. So I think the sort of the next thing from that I was talking as I was thinking through is how do you lead your family through this right now is just to be what, what we call right here a stress de-amplifier. I'm not even yeah. sure if de-amplify is a word. <laughs> right, it is right it here. It makes sense though, right? Yeah, we've hijacked it here. Yeah. And um, as, as we mentioned, like it's, you know, we're, we're fallen, broken, frail, fragile people. And so we're going to yeah. experience worry and fear and doubt from time to time. Um, God's word reminds us a lot that we should not fear. I did. I, I looked up in scripture using um, uh, in the ESV translation. I searched for the terms fear not. I searched for the, fr- the phrase fear not. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. And they appear 103 times in my translation. I've, I've read several places where they say it's 365 days, uh, 365 times because God wants us to remember once a day. Mm, okay. I, I think that's really catchy and would be great, but I don't think that's actually true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I counted 103 times. And I think the reason that it's, which is still a lot. So right. I think the reason it's repeated so frequently is because God understands we are going to be prone to worry and to fear. And so with our kids and our wives, we want to try and bring that stress level down, that, yeah. that anxiety down. And there's really two ways to do that. One is to remind them of truth, right, is, is content. And if I'm being honest, this is an area where I feel really, really equipped and adequate in. Like I can share with them uh, chapter and verse. I can remind them of what's true. But the other piece, which is equally important, is the nonverbal side of this, mm-hmm. right? Being a stress deamplifier is a lot about not what I'm saying, but how I'm saying it. My nonverbals, how's my yeah. tone? Um, you know, I can um, I can physically be intimidating um, if I want to. And am I making sure that I'm sort of lowering my voice? I'm, I'm looking them in the eyes. There's you no know, anger. Um, and, and that's a piece of this deamplifying. I, mm-hmm. I know from, you know, being married to my sweet bride for 22 years, I know because she's told me innumerable times that when I think I'm communicating at a level four, usually it's like a level seven or eight. And even mm-hmm. though I hear it in my head, I honestly hear it as a four or a three. I'm not trying to delude myself. That's just how I hear myself talking. She's like, no, no. I, I, she's like, I appreciate that. That's how you think, but you're at a seven or an eight and everybody in the room identifies it except yeah. you. Yeah. And so I really need to, for me personally, I got to really, really work hard on making sure my tone is right. And I'm in a non-threatening posture. And as I'm reminding them of what of these essential truths, yeah. so that's part of it's being a stress amplifier. It's good. Yeah, that's what my, does that look like for you with, with little kids, especially? I think yes. Sometimes it's easier for our older kids sometimes to, yeah. uh, for, at least for us to be able to uh, reason with them, articulate, you know, uh, some of those things. But with little kids, they, they're picking up probably more on those nonverbals yes. than they are on the truth that's coming out of your mouth. So how have you and Chrissy in the course of challenges that you guys are facing along the way helps yeah. your kids to kind of de-amplify the, the tone in the home. Yeah, I'm a, a really similar to David in that like I can use the right words and usually am. I think I am using the right words. Uh, a little over a week ago, probably eight or nine days ago, my wife lovingly came to me and just said, hey, I, I you know I can tell when you're really annoyed with the kids, right? <laughs> uh, I'm like, oh, am, am I that transparent? And she kind of gives me this look of you're an idiot, uh, <laughs> lovingly again. Yeah, and I was really convicted by that because if I have fooled myself for long enough, because I have young kids in the home, I'm like ah, it's not a big deal that you know they can't pick up on the tone of voice, they can't really pick up on some of these nonverbals, and I've got a seven-year-old now, um, and she absolutely can, yeah. and I keep thinking of her like a two-year-old, like a three-year-old, and um, 
And so I was convicted by that because if my wife can pick up that I'm really annoyed with my kids for no reason, like I'm annoyed with my kids because I'm tired. I've got a yeah. long day of work and they're not snapped to it saying, yes, sir. And immediately marching off to their room to clean it, which would be a foolish expectation to have, but it's what <laughs> I have. Right. And so when they don't do that and I raise my voice or I roll my eyes or I immediately get frustrated, um, that's, that's a miss on my part. And so yeah. I've been working on that lately is those nonverbals, yeah. not even tone of voice, just body language. Yeah. Like, do I look exasperated? Do I throw my arms down? And I do. Yeah. So yeah, last month at, at dad, you, and we were talking about discipline. One of the things I talked about was, uh, the studies that are coming out about mirror neurons mm. and how every human being has these, uh, neurons that begin to kind of make connections in the brain as children, specifically as their brains are forming, they're looking at us. Yeah. And so what kids are great at doing is they just kind of respond back to what we're doing. And so if we are raised and elevated, guess who's going to match that mm -hmm. yep. versus, Hey, if I can get low and slow, still and calm kids are going to match that as well and uh and so i mean we see this in our kids ministry right that uh when the room is really loud and uh we're trying to get everybody's attention the best way to get their attention is not to try to scream over them and say hey i'm trying to talk to you guys hey we're up here and we yeah. you know kind of raise a level i've watched kylie ingram uh you know in that room just start whispering into the microphone and it's amazing how quickly that tone mm. will come down and so kids good. will just match that. And so it's the same thing in our homes. Yeah. We can, if we are setting that tone of what does stress look like, then we have the opportunity to be a de-amplifier in the midst of this. Yeah, this is Proverbs 15.1, right? A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And so yep. if I want to try yep. and maybe my kids aren't experiencing wrath, but I think it still applies that like a soft answer is always, is almost always going to benefit me yeah. when I'm communicating with frankly, with anybody at any point, you know, um, but, but especially so when there's a sense of the person that I'm speaking to is filled, maybe filled with fear or anxiety or, or anger, you know, cause sometimes uh, anxiety, you know, looks a lot like anger or fear looks a lot like anger in yeah. terms of the way that they're responding. And so, I mean, this for, and I know, um, I have been around long enough to know that there, that I am not alone, um, in, in this. And, uh, you know, as Brett just mentioned, like, we have got to be, as dads, we've got to remember that our tone is really important. And I'll mm -hmm. just say, like, I think Todd does, and uh, Wagner, you know, our, our our senior pastor, giggle, giggle, he hates when he, when he called <laughs> that. Uh, He's cringing right yeah, now. That's great. One of the, uh, the elders, he does this really, really well. I've watched him countless times move into a conversation, and I can see it, I can see it physically in his body and in, in the way he communicates. He just, he just dials it down. He clicks it down two or three levels. And that's been really helpful for me to watch him do that. And because it gives me some, you know, mental, um, triggers to help me when I'm dealing with my kids or my wife uh, dealing when I'm communicating with my kids and my wife to really kind of dial it down a click or two. Yeah. I so, think this is so big right now. And the reason we're talking about this is because for me, I I'm not used to having three kids and my wife's not used to having three kids in the home all day long. And that's what we've got right now. Yeah. And it's a little bit of chaos. So yeah. the two year old literally throwing blocks while uh, the seven year old, my wife is trying to homeschool yeah. our seven year old. And yeah, it's yeah. just like that level of chaos. And <laughs> I'm in the garage because I'm posting up in my garage, the only safe place in my house and I can hear it from outside. And so, uh, you know, just hearing that all day, it, we're not used to that. And yeah. so if we're working from home, We've got young kids in the house. We're not used to trying to be on a conference call and lead a team while having a two-year-old screaming and banging on the door. Right. Um, and so that's why, even right now, more so than other times, we've yeah. got to de-amplify that stress. But I know I feel it rising just because I know what's going on on the other side of that yeah. door for mm -hmm. me.
Yeah, so we've talked about, uh, so, you know, recognizing that, that um, really all of our temporal circumstances are going to be subject to some level of uncertainty. Talked about leading self, be a stressed amplifier. The next one was, is I've just said, hey, this is a season to remember. And as crazy as the world is right now, and boy, I tell you, it is just yeah. weird right wow. now. This is a season. And this season is going to come to an end. Um, and, you know, so we're going to look back on this time, however long it ends up being. And we're going to walk away with certain memories, as will our wife and as will our kids, yeah. depending upon their age. You know, I remember back when I was um, in 1986, I was in junior high and when the space shuttle Challenger exploded. And I remember, you know, as best I can tell, knowing that my memory, the memory is a, is a, is a weird kind of quirky thing. But the way I remember it, you know, I can remember where I was in my, in my class and what the, what the school did and the TV they brought out to, so we could watch it. And it became a sort of an, um, a memory that's implanted a lot like 9-11. Um, and there are some other memories. And so I think for, for our kids, especially, um, and for us too, but for our kids, this is this, the coronavirus of 2020 will be a thing they look back on for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when there's seasons of stress, you know, we were talking before we turned on the, the mics, you know, in the seasons of stress, you know, that the body releases these stress um, hormones, the cortisol and, um, near nephrine, I can't know how you say it. Uh, and so these hormones that increase, they actually do affect the way that brain records memory. Mm. And so, um, there's a Harvard professor, he calls this, this super encoding mode when, when the stress levels are higher and in your memories. And so there's a decent chance that if your kids are, I don't know how old, maybe older than six or seven, maybe yeah. eight, um, they are going to remember this season. Mm-hmm. And so, the question I want to ask myself as a dad is, how are they going to remember it? Mm-hmm. What are they going to remember? Are they going to remember that their dad was short and uh, that the home was a ball of stress? Or are they going to remember that, hey, dad and mom did their best and we had fun. We took advantage of being together in a way that we, we hadn't been in the previous seasons and we, would, we won't be when the season's over. Uh, am, am I present? Am I engaged? Am I fun? You know, um, how can I create memories that will be locked in that are that have a positive perspective on what is a really non-positive social experience yeah. we're going through? Yeah, and yeah, the, it's the so pain. true. I mean, it, this is I, I told uh, my, my oldest the other day, I go, bro, you're probably not going to remember your freshman year, but you'll never forget your sophomore year. Yeah, you yeah. Know, because there is something about this particular moment in time. School, you know, became different. You know, it, it's the it's the same thing. Nobody remembers uh, all the stuff that went well at your wedding. You don't tell stories <laughs> yeah. about that. You tell the stories about the ring bearer that fell asleep on the stairs or the, you know, uh, yeah. uh, the, the thing that didn't show up quite at the right time. I mean, those are the things that stand out in our yeah. memory. And we can go back and we can laugh about them and, and all this. And so I, I love this principle. Uh, it's so true that these are the moments that our kids are going to remember uh, in this season. The other thing about that, it goes back to kind of what David was saying. When he's thinking he's communicating a level four and everybody else is hearing a seven or eight, uh, I can <laughs> think I'm crushing it as a dad. Like, oh man, I'm, I'm creating all these great memories. I'm doing this <laughs> awesome thing. But really what matters is what are the perspectives of others? And so yeah. I ask my daughter sometimes, my both my daughter and my son, seven and five, hey, what you know, have you had fun today? What was what's something you thought about today or how do you feel like it went? And there have been moments, there have been days when I thought this was a normal day, this was great, that they did not see it the same way. They didn't think it was a great day. 
Um, and so asking that perspective from them, from my wife as well, if, if your kids aren't old enough to really comprehend some of that, ask your wife and constantly be asking for that feedback from other people because I can fool myself into thinking I'm doing a great job and yeah. that's not the perspective of other people. Yeah, and you know what's also true is the, the converse of that, which is you could do something that you feel like is really small, yeah. like not a big deal. Mm -hmm. And that would be the thing your kid may lock in on. That was amazing. Yeah. And it could be something yeah. as simple as 15 minutes in the front yard, kicking the soccer ball around, yep. you know, yeah. or sitting down a color, you know, a, an Elsa picture. And my three and a half year old is all into Elsa right now. <laughs> and so it could just be spending five minutes with her. It could be the thing that for her takes a day from me, a decent day to a great day. Yeah. And so, you know, I think your point is valid. And the other side's also true, which is, yeah. I mean, you can do little things, sometimes move the needle much more significantly than, than we might think it would move the needle. Yeah. yeah. Which I think also goes back to the, uh, where we kind of started, which is, Hey, you're, you don't have as much control as you think you do. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You could plan out the, the, uh, most elaborate fun moment for your family. And yet the thing that they may lock in on more is exactly what you just said, David, it might just be that real simple. Yeah, it took three minutes to, to color a page. And so dads, for you, as you're listening to this, you should be thoughtful and purposeful in the way that you're doing uh, life right now in your home, but also acknowledge, man, God is sovereign and his grace is going to cover both your mistakes. <laughs> yes. And it's also going to infuse some life into your family that you probably didn't even plan for. Yeah. Yep. Um, but just because you did kick that soccer ball in the yard or because you did uh, tell that stupid dad joke at dinner, you know, that, that those are the things that for whatever reason may stick in your kid's memory. And my God dad jokes aren't, aren't stupid. No, oh, so I know. Yours are excellent. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to yes. give us one right now? I mean, I put you no, on I'm the not spot. giving all my gold out. Okay. You're gonna, you're gonna save that. You guys go come up with your own. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Uh, so uh, anyway, awesome. Well, David, there's uh, I think one last point yeah. that you wanted to make here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're doing all this and, and then, you know, I just would say as we lead our family and we just need to take the next wisest step. You don't have to have the whole kit and caboodle figured out. Um, you know, you shouldn't, don't get hung up on your, your three year plan or even frankly in this current season, yeah. what next week will look like. Just yeah. take the next wisest step. We don't have to have all the answers. Uh, we just need to be committed to processing through scripture, to praying, to making sure we're not making any significant decisions in isolation, you know, looping in folks that know us and love us and are committed to Jesus. Um, these are, um, these are weird circumstances and, yeah. uh, there will be decisions that we'll have to make today that we may not have even thought would be on the radar a month ago. And so as we, as these kind of these pivot points come up, we want to make sure we're just taking the next wisest step. I think, um, you know, Jesus in Matthew six, I was reading this earlier this week and, um, I think this is part of what he's trying to communicate. And I'll just read Matthew 6, 25 to 34. He says, Jesus says in, in the Sermon on the Mount, which by the way, we taught through this past summer. So if you've not listened to this, I'd encourage you to mm -hmm. go back and check out the Summer on the Mount series. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not, the life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil and they don't spin. And But I tell you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the non-believers, seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Your heavenly Father, that's an important word, phrase. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And as I read through that, I just was like, hey, what do I need to meditate on as it comes to whatever decision I need to make today that is for tomorrow? I don't need to mm-hmm. be anxious about my life. I shouldn't worry about my body and my food, and my clothing. Uh, I need to look around. God has given me a testimony. If I will just open my stinking eyes, I can look at the birds and the flowers. I can be reminded of God's provision. I can remember that God has told me that I am much more important than we are the apex of his creative efforts is man. He's made him just a little lower than the angels. He tells us, I think in Psalm, Psalm eight, eight. Yeah. Um, remember that those who follow God don't need to panic. And those who don't know him probably ought to panic. Mm-hmm. Um, focus on the first things that are of first importance, right? Seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness and know that God will take care of the rest. All we have to do today is be faithful and take the next wisest step. Yeah, That's great. Brett, talk about uh, so you and Chrissy uh, are still kind of in the 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 um, event of the brain tumor and all that is yeah. largely behind you. Right. And yet, obviously, there's the chronic um, uh, challenges that you guys both face yeah. and you guys have walked through a, probably a more heightened season yes, just recently. And so how have you made it a, a purpose of yours as you've lead, led your family to just kind of take it this Matthew six day at a time, not worrying about tomorrow. Yep. How have you fought off? I think the enemy's temptations that we all face of going, okay, well, how do I plan for? So what does that look like for yeah, you guys? That's, uh, one of the things, so I went through, um, watermarks recovery ministry regeneration a few years ago for control. And just for this, like I am, I get so wound up on the control thing. And one of the things that stuck with me so well was in groundwork. It just basically says take 24 hours at a time just says 24 hours sober. So for me, that's, I need to wake up every morning and commit, hey, today I am, I'm gonna try to not be anxious. I'm gonna fill myself with God's word in order to not be anxious about what today holds. Uh, tomorrow, I'm not even thinking about tomorrow. There's no way, if I start thinking through, okay, what does this virus look like in six months? Hey, what does my wife's recovery plan look like for six months? Hey, what does my health look like two months from now? Man, I'm gonna be going crazy. And there are days that like that starts creeping in. So I have to remind myself of the truth of Isaiah 26. Um, but that that's it. It's just that 24 hour rule mm-hmm. for me is what's in front of me today and what do I need to focus on? And when, when I get sidetracked, I, I tell other people, I tell my wife, I tell community, hey, I'm starting to think about tomorrow. I'm starting to think about next week, three months from now. Um, could, could you help remind me of truth to refocus me? Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like Jesus knew what he was talking about. <laughs> almost. You know? Yeah. Almost. It's strange. Yeah. That, Don't worry about that tomorrow. Goes. Today has enough troubles of its own. And boy, does it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There are so many things that are facing us just today. 
And if I can lock in on that, and I love, I love just the imagery of this passage. A lot of our leadership is we've been on teams calls and, and all this kind of stuff. A lot of people have commented about the birds singing in the background yeah. who are completely oblivious to the fact that there's a Corona uh, virus, uh, you know, pandemic right now. I think about, I've seen a handful of friends who have loaded up in the car and driven down just a little bit further South to Ennis or one of those places where the blue bonnets are just popping everywhere right That's now, great. because we've had a ton of rain and those blue bonnets didn't worry about, I wonder if there's going to be enough seeds in the ground. And I wonder if there's going to be enough water, man, the Lord is taking care of that. And they're just popping everywhere. And the beauty and the joy that God brings to those of us who can trust in him in that way, with all the challenges of what we are facing without being these delusional, uh, you know, uh, we're not Buddhist, you know, we're not saying, Hey, this isn't reality. This is yeah. reality. And God and his kindness has allowed us to be honest. He's, uh, given us the Psalms to look at and to see how many times David and others were just going, man, what is going on? I'm fearful, but Lord, I, I'm going to trust that you're my refuge right now. And so, man, how do we, continue to keep that perspective going back to the very, how we started this whole thing, keep that perspective and just take it one day at a time, 24 hour rule, yeah. whatever it might be. Yeah, let me, let me just by way of an example, put some rubber on these tires here. So right now uh, in this current season of uncertainty, we've got a lot of folks, a lot of friends who are facing some financial uncertainty. There's been a, you know, a huge spike in, in uh, layoffs and job losses, unemployment claims have risen beyond anything that we've ever seen on a uh, order of magnitude that's enormous. Yeah. And so there's some uncertainty about finances. And uh, you know the reality is is that for some, not for all, but for some, you know we have 401k accounts, IRA accounts um, that we have been using to save to to be thoughtful because you know there's a time to the proverbs tell us, hey, be like the ant. There's going to be a season when you may not be able to work, and as you're older, and you may need to be able to provide for yourself. And so the next wisest step for some of us may be to look if if we're in a position where our income has gone away, that um, we may need to tap into those things that we had originally identified for our retirement, quote unquote. I say that because I don't. You, you, you're going to be hard pressed to find retirement in your in Bible. Bible. Yep. And I think that's sort of a it's a luxury that we have in the Western world that most of the world doesn't have and, and hasn't had. Um, and so you may have those funds identified long term. So. And Jesus may call you to, hey, don't be anxious about tomorrow. So don't worry about what's going to happen when you're in your 60s or 70s. Be thoughtful. But you have a reservoir that I have already provided for you. And though it may seem counterintuitive to you to dip into that, that may be the next wisest step for yeah. you. And we would want you as a body, as a leadership team, to process that with your community and with others you know, who love you and, and know you, your, your community group leader, your shepherd, if, if that's helpful, uh, to process that. But that may, that's an example of something we would say we have sort of deemed in this culture sort of as untouchable. In fact, the government, I think, has waived the penalty for early withdrawal of a, a 401k funds specifically for this purpose. And the next wisest step for you may be to do something that you would never considered a month ago. Yeah. And... To, to not look way down the road at what might be a deficit 20 years from now to, hey, how has God provided for you like he has the birds, mm -hmm. like he has the flowers today? And so that's just, an, that's one simple example. Um, yeah, Dave, can I, uh, I'd love to maybe toss that back to you because there was a practical example in a period of time in your life. Yeah. You and I were in community together 10 something years ago or whatever, and there was a job loss that uh, yeah. you went through. Uh, there was kind of the, 
the way that the Leventhal family was set up as far as where you guys were living and, and all that. And so how did you talk, talk a little bit about that story and that season of time and how you led your family yeah. through that again, not perfectly, I know, sure, but, um, but just some of the things that now looking back, you go, man, I'm glad I did that. I wish I would have done that differently. Yeah. That might be relevant to where we're at yeah, today. So this is, this has been, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago. Uh, and I, I did, I unexpectedly, found myself without a place to go Monday to Friday at five and mm-hmm. without income. And I, we had uh, less than seven kids, but something probably greater than three <laughs> at the time. And, uh, so all of a sudden I'm faced with no income and I'm looking for work and I'm doing some consulting on the side, but you know, the spigot was closed down pretty tight. And so we processed with our community and, um, you know, the next wisest step for us ended up being a couple of things. One, we, we sold our house. We, we determined that the home that we were living in under my current job was within our means, but in a season um, of uncertainty and um, without any confidence that I'd be able to replicate my income level at the, in my next job, uh, we felt like that was the best thing to do. And that was a really hard decision because we loved yeah. that house. Yeah. And, um, and it really was for us, you know, a home that we, we, we just loved and, and, um, we're thankful for God's provision in that home, but, and we sold it and that was really hard. And, um, uh, I'm thankful for community that helped encourage us and exhort us and gave us perspective that was a little bit broader than the way we were thinking. Um, and at times I was discouraged and frustrated with community as they were encouraging me to do some things that I didn't really want to do in the moment. And, you know, I look back on that time and I look, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't want to go through that season again because it was a hard season. Yeah. And, but I'm certainly thankful for the lessons that God taught me. I'm thankful for community. I'm thankful that we were, you know, by God's grace, open to doing the next wisest thing, which we determined as a family and then within our community was to, was to sell the house. Um, I was reading in, again, going back to James, you know, um, just yesterday, James says, count it all joy brothers. He starts his book off with his letter off. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds for the testing, uh, for, you know, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete and lacking nothing. And I thought to myself yesterday, like there's a means to an end here. And so James is saying, listen, Count it joy, not because of trials for trial's sake, but because of what they're producing, Mm -hmm. which requires that I have a vision that's looking just beyond where I am today. Um, I've got my head up looking at the horizon, not down at my shoes. And because these trials for us as a family back then and and for this current season of, of trials, which I think it's fair to say that we as individuals and as a country and as a world are, are underneath a trial right now. And, um, mm-hmm. for those that know Jesus, this trial can produce something. Um, it can produce steadfastness. And if we let steadfastness have its full mature effect, it's going to lead us to a more perfect and more complete state where we lack nothing. And if I, if, if I believe what God says about what is really important, mm-hmm. then that's why I can consider this not the pandemic of joy, but what God is going to do through this pandemic, if I'm open to it, mm-hmm. what it's going to produce. And so it requires that we take a little bit longer term view of our lives yeah. and what it's producing in us. And this was it for me yesterday. It was just a great reminder of God wants to do something in the midst of this trial or any trial 
when this thing goes away, it'll be something else. It'll be, yeah, yeah. you know, um, a prodigal, a prodigal son or daughter. It could be job loss unrelated to this. It could be an injury, a health issue. Mm-hmm. It could be, you know, the sickness of parents. I mean, look, or just discouragement about your marriage because it's not where you thought it would be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and God wants to use all of those circumstances, all these temporal momentary afflictions, Paul would say, I think in Corinthians, to grow us into a more complete and perfect person. So if I find within myself something that's bucking against that goal, then I have to ask myself, am I really committed to what I say I'm committed to? Yeah. Which is my sanctification, being made more into the image of Jesus. Because if I am, then then I can find reason to make this to see consider this joy, not the circumstances, not the death of the sickness, but what it is producing in me. Yeah. And if I can't then I need to really ask myself, am I really committed to what God says I should be committed to? Yeah, the the thing that we can be certain of in the midst of all this uncertainty is that God is up to something. Yep. Yep. And he's up to something on this these uh, uh, you know, kind of global cosmic scales that I don't think our, our brains can even fathom. And he is up to something on this microscopic individual scale. It is amazing to think that our world right now is being brought to its knees by a microscopic organism yeah. like that. That's what's happening. And you see God in the midst of that. He's in control of that. He's in control of that microscopic organism, just like he would be in control of the atom bomb as Todd, you know, uh, alluded to CS Lewis's deal a couple of yeah. weeks ago on, uh, on the Sunday message, but just this idea, man, he is over all of it and he is up to something. You can be sure of that. And the question for us, I think is dads, as we, think about our families is, Hey, how do I pay attention to what God is up to in my own heart? How do I pay attention to what God may be wanting to do through the season in our family? So some of you guys are probably, uh, you know, living through a moment in time right now where things haven't been awesome in your family. There's strife between you and your wife or your kids or whatever. And now you're all cooped up inside of a house together. And you're wondering how, how in the world is God using this? But guess what? God is using this. I, I've prayed for my own family as, as we face some strife and some turmoil in our family recently. Lord, we, we're in this. And I don't just want to get on the other side of this and go, I survived it. And I didn't yeah. kill a child. You know? <laughs> I, I want to get on the other side of this and go, man, Lord, you brought healing to our family. Yeah. And, and so I'm praying for that, you know, in, in those areas where we're broken. Hey, you brought stability and peace where maybe there wasn't, uh, you know, previously and where it was lacking. And so and I, I want us to be praying as dads and leading our families in those ways to pray those big prayers and yeah. to say, hey, Lord, you are uh, wanting to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, as he says in Ephesians 3. And so what can I be asking for that's bigger than just, hey, just let me get through this. Hey, let our bank account survive this particular thing. Hey, let me get a job on the other side of this. And this isn't health, wealth, and prosperity. Hey, let's go pray and, you know, we'll get a Mercedes Benz out of this whole thing or whatever. That's not the the goal. The goal is, Lord, do something that uh, opens up the riches of heaven and pours them into my heart, my spirit, the things that truly eternally matter yeah. and not just these temporal things. Yeah, I mean, this is this is Habakkuk. I mean, I know we're kind of pivoting a little bit. This is, you know, the, the book of Habakkuk. If you've not found that little book in your Old Testament, go find it and read it. It's yeah. short, you know, and, and the the Jews are like, what are you doing, God? As he's, as they being, you know, they're being disciplined by the Assyrians. God used the Assyrians to, to 
discipline his people. And then, you know, God was going to use Babylon to get on the Assyrians. And God says in, in Habakkuk 1 to this question of what are you doing, essentially, God says, look, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. God, I'm doing a work that you wouldn't believe it if I told you. And so just, you know, and, th- and this book goes on and it's going to pivot on, you know, in chapter two, that the righteous shall live by faith. That's in your Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not just a New Testament idea. That's an Old Testament idea. And so God is, is uh, you're spot on, Wes. God is up to something. Yeah. And he is, I don't know what it is, um, but I don't have to know what it is. I just can yeah. be confident that he's doing something. And as I'm watching him unfold his purposes, to your point, I need to ask myself daily, what do you want to do with David right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not what do you want to do with my wife and my kids? What do you want to do in my heart? What, how can I draw the circle around myself, make changes that make me more like Jesus so that I can lead my wife, lead my kids, serve them in a way that's going to create blessing and not resentment. It's going to create life and not death yeah. in their little hearts. And mm-hmm. then just as you lead yourself in that way, that does give you an opportunity to look at your children and go, hey, God's up to something here mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And so how do we, you know, I, I had a, a conversation with my 16 year old yesterday that he's like, all oh, my friends are just letting, uh, you know, their parents are letting them play Xbox all day long. I finished <laughs> yeah, my homework, uh-huh, you know, I finished uh-huh. all my schoolwork on Monday and, and I'm just going, Hey, but don't you think God is up to something more than just you becoming an expert in apex legends, nice. you know, and, and, uh, Fortnite and all that. Don't you yeah. think he wants to accomplish more right now? And, and I hope that he wants to accomplish more in my heart right now. And, and so, man, it's and good. that's, that's so true. Every time you get on the other end of a crisis, you look back and it becomes abundantly clear. Uh, but when you're in the middle of it, you're so lost. And so it's almost like we're speaking out of two sides of our mouth right now. One is saying, Hey, don't think about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worry of its own. But at the same time, um, this is a season. And so what, how you come out at the end or other end of this season is really important for me. You know, when you're sitting there with your wife on life support, mm-hmm. sitting in the ICU, uh, every part of me is just like, man, I will never take my wife for granted again. If my wife leaves here alive, I will never take her for granted again. And guess what? In the last five years, I've taken my wife for granted at times. And so what can we have from a long-term view? And so practically it can look like, um, and what are we doing right now? How are we spending more time with our kids? For us, uh, we've gotten some game nights out of this that I probably wouldn't normally have done just thinking, oh, my kids aren't, aren't quite that age yet. Uh, but I've really enjoyed uh, Go Fish with yeah. my kids, and it's been fun. They have loved it. And even when life goes, quote, back to normal, there are things that we're going to institute coming out of this season that we wouldn't normally have done. And so how can you dads capitalize on this season, this time? What I've been sharing with some folks is it's helped me think through. I get a little bit of a blank slate. I get to kind of clear some of the issues that I, oh, I just haven't had time for that. Oh, I need to make that a priority. Guess what? I'm, I'm making this a priority now with my home. And so what can I do not just to survive this season, but to come out with a thriving family? Yeah, it's good. So good. Well, David, I'm just going to ask you just to kind of close our time by just praying for uh, the, the men who are going to listen to this for families here at Watermark as we're just trying to, I know you guys as the elders are, are, uh, focused on, man, how do we care for the shepherd, you know, shepherd this flock that is among us? And, and uh, so we just close out our time just with a word of prayer and yeah. asking that God would accomplish in us what he purposes to accomplish through the season yeah, you bet. and that he would bring comfort. You know, guys, I, I know that 
many of you are going to be listening to this and potentially you're going to have a family member who, uh, you know, is sick with this virus yeah. or passes away. Some of you, many of you are uh, going to have your, um, uh, you know, your jobs affected in one way or another. Uh, I know some of you guys, some of our leaders have lost their jobs just this week as a result of this. And so, uh, again, God is not um, you know, the, the scriptures are not oblivious to our reality. They dive right into our reality yeah. in this way. And so David, just pray yeah. that God would bring comfort and peace, uh, during this time. Absolutely. <clears throat> Heavenly father, we, uh, just for a chance to sit down with these men and, and to think about recite, talk about your word, your purposes, your plan is, is a gift. I pray for our friends who are listening to this right now. I, I do pray, as Wes just mentioned, that you would provide uh, additional comfort and perspective. I pray that in a way that is uh, tangible to these men and others who are listening, that you would remind them of what is true, that you are merciful and gracious. You're slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And God, as, as you tell us in Psalm 103, you're not going to um, you don't repay us according to our sins or according to our iniquities as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is your steadfast love towards those who fear you. As far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed our transgressions from us. And like a father who shows compassion to his children, Lord, you show compassion to those who fear you. And I'm thankful that you remember our frame and that we are dust. I pray that um, your purposes in our individual lives would be, uh, we would be open to whatever those are. I pray for men would, that would lead their families really, really well right now with gentleness and with kindness, with tenderness, with truth. Uh, I pray that, uh, just as Brett reminded us, that we would not waste the season and that we would be thoughtful in the way we um, make decisions. I pray that we, we would spend time in your word, that it would be Bible first, Bible most. Um, Father, I'm thankful that you have spoken out of the darkness and you have uh, clearly stated that your sovereignty is in effect. Your love is never ending. You are coming back to get those who belong to you. And in the interim, while we wait for that, you have given us clear guidance to not worry, to trust you, to take the next wisest step. And so I just pray that would be true for, for those that are listening. I pray that it'd be true for my heart and for Brett and for Wes as well. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you have demonstrated your love in its most complete, full, and uh, absolute sense in that sending your son to die for us while we were sinners. And so we just, we cling to that truth that you love us and you sent your son to die for us. And that has changed everything about our everything. So we trust you. We pray that you would help us to trust you more in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today for this session of Dad You. Uh, like I said, we would love to uh, be all together in a room and interacting with all of you face to face, uh, but that's not our current reality. And so we hope that this conversation has been helpful for you. And uh, man, just know that we are praying for families at Watermark through these difficult times. And perhaps you're going to listen to this two or three years from now. And when you do, I hope that whatever you might be facing, that you know that, um, that God is up to something. He is at work and that he can be trusted. So uh, if you um, get a chance, would you go on iTunes and just kind of rate this podcast? Make sure you share it with others. And then dads, uh, if you have not already kind of linked up with the Dad U group, you can do that. Uh, you can do that a couple of different ways. If you want to shoot us an email at dadu at watermark.org, we can connect you to maybe a table leader and, and schedule a time uh, for you guys just to kind of sync up through Zoom or whatever it might be. Uh, and uh, again, you might just want to 
to take this material and go through it with your community group, with the guys that are in that group. Spend some time, each of you listening individually, and then go to those discussion questions that you'll find on the blog that will lead you through a time of processing and considering how this is playing out in your home. And so if there are ways that we can serve you on our family ministry team, you can, again, email us at dadu at watermark.org. Let us know uh, so that we can uh, serve you as best we can. Again, my name is Wes Butler. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to serve the Lord and to serve the families here at Watermark with you. Uh, My prayer is that you will continue to lead your family, that you will take the charge that God has given you to lead your family, and you will uh, carry it out to the best of your ability, empowered by the Spirit of God, informed by the Word of God, and surrounded and supported by the people of God. So thanks for joining us today, and we'll hope to catch you again soon.